Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by their good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Find out more by visiting the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman, who is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Art DiLorenzo is uh, the president and CEO of Maximize Your Talent. We'll be talking about quieting your bias during these difficult times. Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat? We'll be talking about what's happening in the cruise industry, as well as Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. It is April the 3rd, and on this day in 1776, because it lacks sufficient funds to build a strong navy, the Continental Congress gave privateers permission to attack any and all British ships. In a bill uh, signed by John Hancock, its president, dated April 3rd, 1776, the Continental Congress issued instructions to the commanders of private ships or war vessels, vessels of war, which will have commission of letters of marquee or mark and reprisal, authorizing them to make captures of British vessels and cargoes. Letters of mark and reprisal were the official documents by which 18th century governments commissioned private commercial ships known as privateers to act in their behalf, attacking ships carrying the flags of enemy nations. Any goods captured by the privateer were divided between the ship's owner and the government that had issued the letter. Congress informed American privateers on this day that you may, by force of arms, attack, subdue, and take all ships and other vessels belonging to the inhabitants of Great Britain on the high seas or between high water and low water marks, except ships and vessels bringing persons who intend to settle and reside in the United Colonies or bringing arms, <coughs> ammunitions, or warlike stores to the said colonies for the use of such inhabitants thereof as are friends to the American cause, which you shall suffer to pass unmolested, the commanders thereof, permitting a peaceable search and giving satisfactory information of the contents of the ladings and destinations of the voyages. The distinction between private and privateers, pirates and privateers, was not existent to those who faced them on the high seas. They behaved, behaved in an identical manner, boarding and capturing ships, using force if necessary. However, privateers holding letters of mark were not subject to prosecution by the home nation, and if captured, were treated as prisoners of war instead of criminals in foreign nations. I find that so interesting. Voila, you have a navy just by uh, sending out letter of mark from John Hancock. So Governor Ron DeSantis ordered foreclosures and evictions suspended for 45 days. The move comes as the national unemployment filings broke new records again this week for more than 6 million people filing unemployment insurance claims. Just thinking about the scale of this, in 2019, Florida had a total of 307,000 claims for re-employment assistance. In the last two weeks, we received 348,000 claims, said DeSantis. Florida's unemployment system is cracking under the pressure to process claims with people, so uh, the, the uh, governor has ordered uh, all hands on deck to support the Department of uh, uh, Employment. The State Department of Health reported 178 cases of COVID-19 in Collier County, according to Thursday evening's advisory from the State Department of Health. One of the new cases is a six-year-old girl who had, with no reported travel history and no contact with a confirmed case, she is the youngest person who has tested positive for the virus. In Cuyahoga County, 22 are now being hospitalized for COVID-19. NCH Healthcare System announced the patient death in a call with the media, the county's second death for coronavirus. The State Department of Health confirmed the death in an evening advisory Thursday. Collier's two deaths include a male, 61, with travel history to Haiti and Mexico in contact with a confirmed patient, as well as a 94-year-old female with travel history to Puerto Rico. Now, why they classify a 94-year-old death as COVID-19, I have no idea, but it seems to me it could be classified as natural causes as well. The state agency now says the number of patients to die of COVID-19 
Complications in Florida is 144, and the latest numbers from Florida from the Department of Health, 9,008 total number of confirmed cases, 144 deaths reported in Florida, 1,167 hospitalized. Numbers seem pretty scant, but they say the worst is coming. Reported COVID-19 cases around the world now surpass 1 million on Thursday, doubling in a week as the virus spreads across Europe, North America, and even establishes a toehold in Africa. Just before global cases reached 1 million, the COVID worldwide death toll passed 50,000, according to data compiled by Johns Hopkins University. COVID-19 now has now infected at least a million folks around the world and killed at least 51,000 according to this data. Uh, nearly 200,000 people have recovered from the virus so far, and that's pretty good. Now, the White House and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention could encourage Americans to start wearing masks to help slow the spread of the virus. That, according to the president, uh, he said, I think they're going to be coming out with regulations on that, and if people want to abide by them, frankly, I don't think they'll be mandatory because some people just don't want to do that, Trump said. He actually said you could actually wear a scarf if you wanted to. It'd do just as well. Uh, I think the reason why they haven't uh, had this requirement or regulation to wear a mask is because they just didn't have sufficient quantities of them. Now, I suspect that's beginning to catch up and perhaps could be available to American citizens right now. In my opinion, uh, this whole virus uh, thing could be addressed by we need to address the economy as well as the health care needs. And when I look at the statistics, it seems to me I see the people who are dying from this are people who have preconditions who are subject to uh, uh, failing health in the first place. And uh, my recommendation would be let's get the young people back to work. They seem to be the late, least vulnerable and let's roll this thing out first start with people up to age say 30 or 35 let them go back to work then uh, people who are between uh, 35 and say 50 and then people 35 or 50 to uh, 65 and then uh, and allow people to self-quarantine if in fact they are have failing health or have health conditions or issues that they need to deal with uh, but we can't allow the, the economy to continue to flounder, in my opinion. Let's get people back to work as soon as possible. And people are feeling a real fear about this. They ran to gun stores in record numbers as they sought self-defense weapons amid the coronavirus scare, driving up sales by 83% in March and leading to record number of FBI instant background checks. Industry officials said that the handguns, rifles, AR-style weapons, and ammunition flew off the shelves when states and federal governments started to lock down communities. Many who purchased weapons said they were worried in the lockdown would create chaos or riots. The FBI recorded 3,740,000 background checks in March, the most in any month ever by a mile. In February, another record breaker, there were 2,800,000 uh, checks. This year alone, there have been over 9,200,000 background checks, which are the mostly for gun purchases. Uh, that figure is higher than the nation's total gun background checks for every year uh, since 1988 to 2005, if you can imagine that. And we're only into April. People ran to gun stores in record numbers as they sought self-defense weapons amid the coronavirus scare, driving up sales by 83%. <clears throat> Industry officials said the handguns, rifles, and weapons flew off the shelves. Well, yesterday, uh, the DNC it postponed its presidential nomination convention about a month from July the 13th to August the 17th, a week before the Republicans' convention. There are no guarantees that the coronavirus outbreak will be over by then, but with the change, Democrats can assure they'll have a similar policy as Republicans on whether a convention is safe uh, for thousands of people. President Trump, by the way, in the coronavirus press briefings, has uh, given a lockdown nation some semblance of daily routine during the pandemic. But like everything else in Washington, there's also a source of big controversy as critics pan the events as equivalent to campaign rallies and urge the media to stop covering them. Trump has, Trump's new fondness for these briefings and their increasing converse, conversation into Trump's campaign rallies with scientists rather than local government officials as the supporting cast should cause cable news producers to reflect on the path they are headed. Uh, in my view, these, these briefers are so, first of all, reassuring. You take a look at the people that are up there speaking who are doing the job and speaking about what's going on is just extremely reassuring to me. 
But uh, you can certainly understand how the Democrats are, and the progressives are feeling left out of the conversation. And uh, what they can see is clearly there's no airtime for Joe Biden as he's running for president. President Trump is uh, garnering all the attention, as he always does. And, of course, this is daily, starting at about 5 o'clock every day. Uh, the president is speaking to the nation about the coronavirus lockdown. And uh, I find it reassuring. Others don't, of course. Others are very upset by it. Real, uh, Rachel Maddow says if Trump is going to keep lying about like he's been every day off this, uh, this important stuff, we should all of us stop broadcasting to opine Rachel Maddow. Honestly, it's going to cost lives, she said. Unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit at johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees. The goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Golf Show Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And, of course, the season now has been canceled. I'm talking about this year. But next year, great lineup productions and education programs. And I hope you'll check it out at golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a research fellow with the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. Thank you, William. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Well, we're a free market think tank in Washington, D.C., and, and we're pushing the ideals of a of, of, of free society at every level of government. 
and doing a great job of it. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, uh, William, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in this coronavirus. We've had $2.2 trillion that the president and, and the, the Congress, he signed into law pushed to push this money out and to keep the economy going, keep things running while we're getting through this coronavirus epidemic. Uh, now the, the uh, Nancy Pelosi has called for a bipartisan, I'm going to call it committee, to oversee the, the uh, distribution of this money. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'll tell you what. We, uh, we've talked in the past about the unfortunate sort of politicization of, of this virus, but this is an instance where if her sentiments are genuine, I'm sympathetic to what she's talking about. Um, this CARES or the, the CARES Act, which is the name of this coronavirus stimulus, its whole purpose, like the last stimulus, the one in 2009, is to push as much money out the door as fast as possible. Um, now, your listeners no doubt know the adage, paste makes waste. Um, that is to say, this is a recipe for, for wasted money, and it's pub the public money. So I'm pretty sympathetic to strong oversight of how this money is spent. I'll say this on this note. There were actually three layers of oversight in, in the bill or in this uh, coronavirus stimulus. The first two were, were to be conducted by the executive branch, uh, in particular a uh, special inspector general and also a council of inspector generals. Trump, after he signed the bill into law, uh, had a signing statement, and he said, I'm not going to follow those two components, those two, you know, what you're asking me to do to oversee the, how these monies are spent. And I'll be honest with you, I've been sympathetic to, to how Trump has handled this crisis, but I do disagree with that. I think it's wrong. One, I think oversight in this context is a great idea. Um, but two, I think in general, these presidential signing statements, which all presidents do, Mm -hmm. I think it's just this bad idea for a president to sign something and then thereafter to say, my signature doesn't apply to this uh, provision or that provision. I just think that's generally bad practice. Nevertheless, the upshot is, if President Trump is unwilling to oversee how this money is spent pursuant to, to this law that was just passed, then I'm all for Congress beefing up this third mechanism they put in the bill, which is what you were, you were speaking about in the, in the introductory question, which is this Congressional Review Commission, and is bipartisan. It's chosen by party leadership in both the House and the Senate, and uh, uh, it, it empowers uh, this commission to appoint or to, to hire a bunch of staff and contractors and, and thereby oversee how this money is spent. So to the extent that Nancy Pelosi is, is, is uh, going to take this commission seriously, I mean, it could have been very easily for Congress to sweep this under the rug and ignore it, as they often do when it comes to oversight. I, I think it's a solid idea, especially given that President Trump, um, unfortunately, in my opinion, declined or has announced his, his, his refusal to uh, operate the, the executive branch oversight provision. Yeah. Isn't that, though, he, you know, here we have an independent business person who's built his business, uh, he's a billionaire. He certainly, I'm sure, feels empowered to make these types of decisions himself. So you certainly understand where he's coming from, and he thinks he'll make great decisions, and now probably feels that a committee, uh, these investigators, uh, could slow the process down. Pelosi said, and here's a quote from a news outlet, said the committee will investigate how the private sector is spending its government funds and press to ensure the federal response is based on science and health experts. The committee will fight against profiteering, political favoritism, and price gouging. What a hypocrite, by the way. <laughs> but nevertheless. <laughs> it is, well, to be, well, interesting. So uh, I didn't, and I guess Congress can control the scope of what the commission investigates. I mean, Congress mm -hmm. sort of has a plenary power um, in that aspect. But I didn't realize it was going to be as much focused on private sector yeah. elements as it was going to be focused on, say, the potential, you know, again, of, of we're dealing with the administrative state, we're dealing with uh, these bureaucrats who are trying to push money out the door as fast as possible. So that is um, troubling, <laughs> if, yeah. if, that's, if that's the case, if that's the sort of thing she's um, looking, uh, going to focus on. Um, so I'll note this. It, again, the, the Republicans control the Senate and the Democrats control the House. So it's not as though Nancy Pelosi is going to have some sort of unilateral say on this. Um, ultimately, the, the, this law, the coronavirus stimulus, it empowers both chambers to, 
to make these decisions and to formulate both the commission, um, its staff, and its mission. So uh, I, w- I take what she says with a grain of salt, knowing that ultimately Senator McConnell is going to have to agree as well. Yeah, and uh, I do certainly agree with that. I, I agree with the structure of this thing. That certainly makes sense. Oversight makes sense. My concern is this will uh, degenerate into another attempt to uh, uh, attack Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, uh, another attempt to try and play gotcha with a committee to find the things that they could question and question his leadership uh, leading up to the camp, leading up to the presidential election. It is, uh, to be sure, I don't put that, you know, politicians are going to politic. That's what they do. But again, I I do, I'm, I'm hopeful that any such, uh, in, you know, in, in insidious intent, if you will, um, would be blunted, would be mitigated by the, the <coughs> fact that both parties are, are, you know, it is bipartisan, and they, they have to come to agreement before they render decisions. Here, if there's anything in the world I would hope could be bipartisan, it is how to oversee, you know, uh, pushing $2 trillion of public money out the door as fast as possible. I'll, know, I'll say this. I, I did the easy, you know, uh, uh, the calculator division of how much money that is, $2 trillion. That's $6,000 for every American, I mean, man, woman, and child. So this isn't chump change, and, and you know, I, I hope that um, what, what she's doing, you know, uh, Speaker Pelosi is, and, and rendering these highly political statements is merely feeding her base. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope in, in, in her real intent... Um, and perhaps this is far too optimistic and naive, but um, is to be a responsible steward of the public's money, of these trillions of dollars of public money. Yeah, you made a good distinction, though. I'm quite certain that uh, the president just, for example, sent a letter to uh, Chuck Schumer, Senator Schumer, uh, questioning his leadership and correcting on some of the claims that he's made. <laughs> it's a pretty entertaining letter, but you make a good point. I mean, part of this rhetoric is posturing and preening for the public, trying to garner favorite, favoritism. And what they do and what they say might be two different things, although I have difficulty making the distinction. It, it would be, it's always, you know, <laughs> uh, that, that's the nature of politics. And I'll say this, that's one thing that I really like about President Trump. Um, you know, I understand the need for politicians to say one thing to the public and to do something else. A quick example of Obama in 2012 when he was trying to get elected, when he was debating Mitt Romney in Denver. Um, that Obama, the one appealing to the nation writ large, he was pro-fossil fuels. He was all about natural gas and coal, even. Yeah. Um, well, the first thing he does after get, getting elected and no longer facing electoral accountability is to have the EPA work on a nationwide cap-and-trade, you know, to, to take on the fossil fuel industry. So uh, that's par for the course of politicians. And again, one thing that I, I do appreciate about Trump is that he doesn't play that game. I mean, he sort of, you know, he does seem to say what he believes. Yeah. I'm not going to say what he believes is always going to be the spot-on truth, but there's a certain genuineness to him that is somewhat refreshing. Absolutely, indeed. Again, William Yateman, a research fellow at the Cato Institute, Cato.org, very robust website. I hope you check it out, Cato, C-A-T-O, dot org. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with an old business associate of mine. Well, going back to the 70s, Art DiLorenzo is the president and CEO of Maximize Your Talent. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, Blue Provence offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. During the governor's stay-at-home notice, Blue Provence is offering pick-up curbside takeout options five nights a week, Tuesday through Saturday. To place an order, just call 261-8239 Tuesday through Saturday from 4 to 7 p.m. A 20% discount will be 
applied on all food orders during these unprecedented times. Compliment your order with amazing wines from the Blue Provence Retail Wine Store, offering amazing choice and value. Blue Provence Wine Store is open Monday to Saturday, 9 to 12 p.m., and has one of the most eclectic and fun wine cellars offering 10% off cases. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And, of course, this is after this pandemic is over. But you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.com. Org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat? Uh, right now we have with us Art DiLorenzo, as I mentioned before the break. He's an old business associate uh, going back to the 70s for me. We work together. Now he's the president and CEO, uh, founder of uh, Maximize Your Talent, Art DiLorenzo. Art, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Art. Can you hear, can you hear me, Art? Um, just barely. Okay, let me, uh, anyhow, I just introduced you, so uh, tell us tell us about Maximize Your Talent. Well, um, Maximize Your Talent is a, um, an emotional intelligence and mindfulness training company. Um, what we do is um, we, we take that, uh, the brains of, that uh, people bring to us that uh, they would like to have some new seeds put in, and uh, that's what we do. We, we, we plant new seeds into people's brains that changes their behavior and, and uh, gives them the uh, tools to um, improve their uh, receptivity to their, their colleagues. Most of them are um, executives and leaders in organizations, and uh, they come to us for the soft skill development. Uh, they, they get plenty of the hard skill support. Um, at their, their businesses or companies, uh, but um, they usually don't have the talent uh, in those companies to provide the soft skills training, and that's what we do. Yeah, so uh, if I were to rephrase what you just said there, you help them have greater influence and uh, more informal or uh, uh power in their organizations by their their ability to influence others uh, using those types of soft skills. I'm looking at the uh, website right now, MaximizeYourTalent.com. I'll just refer our listeners to that right now. Uh, you have a speaker series uh, coming up. To maybe you can tell us about it. Sure. Um, uh, Dr. Fred Luskin is uh, at Stanford University. He uh, founded the um, this forgiveness uh, program there and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's actually called Forgiveness Project. He's been doing it for 25 years. He's a friend of mine. Uh, he's written some wonderful books on forgiveness and uh, how to be stress-free. Um, as a matter of fact, he, he did a, a major project a number of years ago um, with Northern Ireland, bringing the, uh, the Protestants and the Catholics together to uh, teach them uh, uh, forgiveness skills. He worked with one group, unbeknownst to the other group, and then uh, uh, he brought the two groups together 
when he was finished uh, the training, and I, by coincidence, happened to be there in uh, Palo Alto at the time. And uh, the emotional um, relief that these people experienced was uh, profound. In order to get into that uh, to that program, they each group had to have a child killed by the other group, mm. and. Um, and so you can imagine the strain that it put on people to um, live with uh, the forgiveness that that uh, the other side did. Uh, but they did. Almost all of them did. Not all of them, but many, many, many did. And they went back to Ireland and and taught those skills to the peoples in their, wow, in that's their communities. Wow, He's actually doing the same thing now in Colombia. This probably all your listeners know. Colombia, up until a handful of years ago, was having a decades-long conflict between the FARC and the the FARC and the uh, the government, and and now um, they have a peace deal, and he's there working with the two groups using that same process to to help the healing, and and, uh, so that's... This is just one element. Forgiveness is one element in, in 25, 30 competencies that make up uh, the world of emotional intelligence. And yeah. So, it sounds so, so, so interesting. MIT. Uh, do you have other speaker series coming up in the future? Uh, uh, can you hear me, Art? I can just barely hear you. No, I, I was asking you if you... If you if you have uh, other events coming up in the future. Yes, um, we have uh, uh, our mastery program, which is the major product that the company produces, uh, is uh, is coming up. Well, we have one coming up on May 16th and another one in July. We also have uh, leadership programs that, uh, uh, that we launch uh, based on demand. Um, and we'll have a follow-up speaker series on a regular basis as well. Yeah, so MaximizeYourTalent.com is the website. All right, before I let you go, I do want to ask uh, about, you're living in the epicenter there, right there in Manhattan. That's where your business is. I uh, just pre- appreciate your perspective and what you're seeing in downtown Manhattan, uh, uh, considering everything that's going on oh, with Clippers. Uh, it's, it's a real deal, it, uh, and we have... Uh, Lots of dead folks to prove it. So it's um, it's a um, it's a challenge. Uh, the the public has had an increasing over the last three or four weeks an increasing um, sense of reality that this is this is really coming, and um, uh, and so uh, the streets are of course much more quiet. Um, people are now more than ever. Um, wearing face masks and gloves, you know, plastic gloves, so when they um, uh, when they go out, and um, uh, they are wonderfully following the you know the distance, uh, the social distancing theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I were, uh, walked up to the park the other day. We tried to go out once a day, and just to get the sun and feel the sun on us, and and uh, and be outside. And um, there was a lady walking towards us in Central Park that had two little tykes and a double stroller. And uh, we were on the right side. She was on the right side. And, and we were talking, and she saw us and uh, glanced up, and she moved over to the other side so that we could pass each other mm-hmm. uh, carefully. Um, there is some joyfulness in all of this. Every night at 7 o'clock, people up and down the block open up their their terraces and they open up their windows and they just hoot and holler and bang pans and, and clap hands and and um, and it's all to honor and respect the the, the first responders the police people the uh, the firemen and so it's a, it's a joyful absolutely joyful experience and wow. And health care workers. My suggestion to everybody, wherever you are, is is to follow the rules and wash your hands three, four, five times a day. Stay indoors. Um, and uh, social distancing is absolutely appropriate. So, right. It's, uh, it's frightening. It's frightening, but um, 
but we're meant as human beings to respond and to, and to recover. Right. And so you know, we have to we have to put our energy into uh, the, the mind skills that say positively, you know, that um, you know that the wind is coming. So if you're in a boat and there's no wind, you could sit there and lament that there's no wind. But the optimist says, I'm waiting for the wind. Right. And a, a real leader, right. they, they shift the sails as needed. So it's uh, interesting. It is indeed. Art DiLorenzo, again, the CEO, founder and CEO of Maximize Your Talent. I encourage you to visit the website, MaximizeYourTalent.com. Art, genuinely appreciate your comment here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. It's our pleasure always, Bob. You're always one of my heroes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Art. Never did talk about uh, uh, bias, quiet your bias. Maybe we'll have Art back sometime. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Sharon Kenny. She is the author of Where Should We Eat? We'll be talking a little bit about the cruise industry, which she knows a lot about. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. As Southwest Florida is impacted by the coronavirus crisis, the organizations that provide relief and support to our community's most vulnerable population are finding their resources stretched. For 32 years, St. Matthew's House has provided food, shelter, and comfort to those struggling with poverty, food insecurity, and homelessness. St. Matthew's House is the only emergency homeless shelter in Cuyahoga County, sheltering more than 300 men, women, and children every night and providing more than 500,000 meals each year to those in need. For those who have shelter but are food insecure, direct assistance is offered through the St. Matthew's House Food Pantry and Grocery Distribution. Donations of food, hygiene supplies, detergent, diapers, and monetary support are needed curbside drop-off is available at St. Matthew's House Main Thrift Store at 2601 Airport Road, South Naples. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization that does not solicit government funding. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org or call 239-774-0500. That's 774-0500. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Well, that'll happen next season because we're all in this coronavirus pandemic right now. But please do visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Uh, coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bego, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us Sharon Kenny. Sharon is, uh, well, she writes commentary and travel, uh, dining, and entertainment. She's also written her own book. It's called Where Should We Eat? Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. Sharon, are you there? Sharon, can you hear me? Well, I don't hear Sharon. Maybe we lost Sharon then. I don't know what happened. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we'll just pot that down and we have lots to talk about. We talked a little bit earlier about uh, Nancy Pelosi, well, she's pushing for a new stimulus bill that will roll back the state and local tax deduction. That's called SALT, state and local tax deduction, of the cap, a proposal that would predominantly help wealthy p individuals, including most residents in Pelosi's district, or perhaps even Pelosi herself. A 2019 report from the Joint Committee on Taxation projected that of those who would face lower tax liability from the elimination of the SALT cap, 
which uh, only affects those who itemize tax deductions, 94% earn at least $100,000. The government would lose out about $77.4 billion in tax dollars, which more than half of that uh, amount being saved by taxpayers earning $1 million or more. Those earning more than 200000 would reap most of the balance. California's 12th congressional district, which Pelosi represents, is among the wealthiest in the United States with a median income of $113,000. The average household income is 168000 meaning that most residents would benefit from any significant cut in the, the SALT program or tax deduction limitation. Pelosi and her husband have property liability, uh, tax liability of approximately, get this, $198,000 considering their two homes, a winery, and two commercial properties. Uh, that's amazing. Pelosi's 2020 tax uh, property taxes in Washington, D.C. totaled $13,000 on a Georgetown condo and a garage valued at $1.646 million. Her San Francisco property totaled $51,000, I'm sorry, uh, plus $47,000 for a Napa uh, winery, $64,000 for a San Francisco commercial property, and $20,000 for another building. Property taxes for businesses and other commercial ventures generally have not been affected by SALT provisions. Just days after taking heat for successfully demanding $25 million in stimulus funds, for the Kennedy Center and Performing Arts in Washington, D.C., Pelosi specifically declared this week that it might be wise to retroactively undo SALT. Retroactively, she's saying. In other words, line her own pockets. And, uh, and it's mainly blue states that are upset about this because they have the highest tax liability for real estate. And that's who, uh, who would be hurt most of the Democrat states, the blue states. A Pelosi spokesperson said the SALT drawdown would be tailored to focus on the middle class earners and include limitations on the high end, but uh, they don't make clear exactly how that would happen. And needless to say, uh, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, Connecticut have even sued to repeal the SALT cap. Uh, that lawsuit was dismissed by a federal judge, and the states are appealing. The SALT cap is set to expire in 2025. Roughly 13 million households nationally would benefit from slashing SALT, with the vast majority of them earning six-figure incomes and located in New York, California. New the New York Times reported this week even a limited SALT reduction would predominantly benefit wealthy Americans. Uh, it's unbelievable. There's a little bit of hypocrisy there. Uh, the cap has been particularly unpopular in high blue states uh, like New York, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, and Connecticut, and they would love to see this repealed. Uh, Senate uh, Finance Committee Chuck, uh, Chairman Chuck Grassley said, this is a non-starter. Millionaires don't need a new tax break as the federal government spends trillions of dollars to fight a pandemic said uh, Grassley. Ms. Pelosi's remarks underscore the potential for further political mischief and long-term damage as the government intervenes to stimulate the economy, the Wall Street Journal editorial board wrote Tuesday. And when Democrats next complain that Republicans want to uh, cut taxes for the rich, remember, remember that Ms. Pelosi wants to cut them too, but mainly for progressive rich dem and democratic states. Well said indeed. You may recall that in the last stimulus bill back in 2009, where uh, the president claimed that he was funding shovel-ready projects and then uh, just off the cuff uh, during an Oprah show, I think it was, said that, hey, you know what, uh, these projects weren't as shovel-ready as we thought. Now think about that. A trillion dollars, how much would that have done? gone towards building our infrastructure and making our roads better and bridges uh, stronger? Uh, airports. Think of all the infrastructure needs that we have here in the United States that are being ignored. That's what the president has in mind. He'd like to call for, he's called for a $2 trillion infrastructure bill to serve as phase four of the federal government's coronavirus response just days after Congress approved this massive stimulus bill. His comments were, well, with interest rates for the United States being at zero, this is a time to do our decades-long awaited infrastructure bill. That's what he tweeted. I should be very big and bold, $2 trillion, and be focused solely on jobs and rebuilding the once great infrastructure of our country. Phase four, he tweeted. 
He sought a major infrastructure bill ever since taking office and would appear to be pitching that plan anew as a form of economic stimulus. And boy, it would be a stimulus indeed. The president's tweets come as lawmakers in both the House and the Senate already are eyeing a fourth coronavirus response bill, though some have voiced caution about continuing to appropriate such massive sums of money. Trump has sought a major infrastructure bill ever since taking office. And uh, I, I hope this time that... Uh, you know, I, I'm <laughs> I'm speaking. I'm, I have mixed feelings about this because our uh, our deficit is now 23 trillion dollars. It is massive, and uh, now for this this uh, stimulus bill that we just had was uh, is going to be another two trillion dollars on top of that. And of course, uh, the infrastructure bill would create even more. We'd be up to 26, 27 trillion dollars in debt in the United States, which is but we do have to get out of the uh, malaise that we have right now. We've gone from what I think will be a recession to it could lead to a depression. Recessions really don't occur until you had one full quarter of uh, a downturn. We haven't had that yet, but irrespective, it's, look, it's not looking promising right now, and we need to get people uh, back to work. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Dave Bego. Dave is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. He was dealing with union bosses from SEIU over the course of two and a half years. They wanted him to sign a neutrality agreement. He refused to do that. Now, a neutrality agreement would give them permission to walk around, intimidate his employees, and get them to sign up for a uh, union. For a union, he refused to sign the neutrality agreement. He said, if you want to unionize, you'll do it by secret ballot. They refused that and proceeded to intimidate his employees, his customers, the public about his business, claim making false claims, filing false claims against the National Labor Relations Board. When you read the book, you can't believe the stuff can truly happen. You can't believe human beings could actually do this stuff, but they did, and he wrote a book about it. It's called The Devil at Our Doorstep. So we're going to visit with Dave, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And, of course, that's an imperative, a moral imperative. Of course, once this pandemic has ended, you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. 
We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Dave Bigo. He's kind of a hero in my mind because he resisted uh, the pressures and the dirty tricks of union leaders from SEIU over the course of two and a half years. He uh, wrote a book about it. He's got about six thousand, well, over 6,000 employees in over 40 states. And uh, he resisted, and uh, they went away like rats on a sinking ship. And he, he's not unionized, most, mostly not unionized right now, and uh, wrote a book about it. It's called The Devil at Our Doorstep. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks, Bob. Um, yeah, your volume's down a little bit. You might want to turn it up a little bit. So, uh, that, so you're not the first. Let me see if I can. Uh, I have a knob that'll deal with that. Uh, I've got all my knobs turned <laughs> as much as I can, so I apologize for that. But uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, just a little better. Okay. So, Dave, uh, first of all, you're in Indianapolis. How are you dealing with the coronavirus up there? Well, you know, the state overall in Indiana, we don't have that many cases, but our hot spot is Indianapolis and um, uh, Marion County. And um, we've got that's where the most cases are at. Of course, we, we do have travel coming in the, the city, and I think that's caused part of the problem. But uh, our governor and our mayor of the city of Indianapolis have really been tightening things up and shutting things down, and they actually put out a um, an order a week ago of what golf courses had to do to stay open. You know, no carts, and people had to walk, and they had to, uh, hmm. uh, you know, just play two or three, and they had to stay six feet away from each other and not touch things out there, and, um, you know, just all, all kinds of things to keep uh, spreading the disease and that. But uh, yesterday, the mayor of Indianapolis came out and said, we're closing down all the uh, golf courses in Indianapolis because uh, um, this continues to spread. And I talked to him yesterday, uh, about 4.30 yesterday afternoon, and um, and I know him. And he says, Dave, it's because we found several golf courses that aren't doing what they're supposed to do. They're letting people go out and ride carts and, and touch everything and do whatever they want. And he says, we just felt the uh, Department of Public Works felt like we had to shut them down. So unfortunately, the golf course we own is shutting down in 10 minutes this morning. Oh my goodness, I'm so- sorry to hear that. Uh, our course shut down. Here, the uh, there's a stay-at-home order from Governor DeSantis, uh, but when you read through the bill, you can do just about everything you could do before the, uh, the stay-at-home order. Uh, he's just uh, saying, hey, stay at home, and I, we really mean it. <laughs> but but yeah. you can't go to the store. You can't go out and ride a bicycle. You can't do the, We could even uh, go to a golf course if they, uh, you know, clean the carts and one rider in a cart and that kind of thing. But our course closed down, so I'm sympathetic to uh, to what just happened to you. Yeah, and, you know, on the other side is is that, uh, you know, it hurts your employees and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't know if you know, but around, across the country we have 6.6 million people that are out of jobs that are filing for unemployment. And we're trying to keep our people working, doing other things than that, uh, because we want to support them, and, you know, and make sure that they've got money and can uh, take care of things. But it's it's sad because yesterday we had a nice day here in Indianapolis, and our course was uh, we had a lot of members out there playing uh, walking and but they did all the things and you know we have pins in the in the greens that uh, you don't touch those uh, they're in a little cup that st- sits up above the uh, top of the green and all you do is putt and if you hit that cup it's good just pick up your ball and go don't touch the green don't go into bunkers and touch the rakes mm-hmm. in fact we've taken the rakes out of the bunkers and uh, so it's uh, we were doing everything the right way we weren't having any problems it's kind of sad it is sad indeed. So uh, I, I am interested, uh, your executive management services is the name of the company, uh, doing great work. And uh, I understand that there's been a, actually an, an increase in demand of your services. Uh, you <laughs> probably need more employees. Well, yeah, we're keeping our employees busy. We've had a few uh, companies, a couple of companies here in Indianapolis and a couple others across the country that closed down. They want us to uh, uh, keep our people out of their buildings for the next 30 days, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad. But uh, we have companies that, uh, even though they want us to continue the data cleaning, they want us to clean, sanitize the buildings almost from ceiling to floor. And we, we've had to uh, work people overtime and everything else. And uh, it's it's been tough on our employees, but we're getting the job done. And fortunately, as far as I know so far, we've not had one employee that's been uh, contacted that uh, coronavirus. That is fantastic. Well, I hope that continues for you and your employees. Now, uh, any news on the union front? Yeah, I think people need to know this. Uh, This came out in the Washington Sentinel, but um, 
it uh, the headline was the uh, left wing labor union SEIU, the one that you know you just talked about. We fought uh, as a company uh, found hoarding thirty nine million face masks. What really? They yeah. they actually and had thirty nine million. The reason in- they're doing that is because for two reasons. One, they want to make um, Trump look bad because this is a political thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, you know, he can't get enough masks for around the country for people. And, you know, he's doing everything he can. But think, think of what $39 million would have done. And, um, but they, they were found to do this. And, uh, and, but as soon as they uh, were, were found to be hoarding this stuff and doing the wrong thing, they came out and said, oh, We'll, we'll put these out in, play, in some places, and we found another manufacturer that can make some for you. So, they, you know, they're going the opposite way. You know, it's, it's, it lies out of both sides of their mouths. Hmm. And, uh, you know, on top of that, you look at Nancy Pelosi, she's going after Trump and saying he's done the wrong thing. He hadn't been able to get enough supplies and doing the right things. And that, well, Pelosi is, um, she's controlled by the SEIU. I mean, uh, this, they're huge out in California. And, yeah. uh, all these tactics we see uh, are not for the American people. They're to bring down Trump so they can take over the White House and the Senate in the election this fall. Yeah, the hypocrisy coming from Nancy Pelosi is just unbelievable. It's palpable. I mean, she was in Chinatown saying, come to Chinatown and have some Chinese food and uh, love the Chinese and all that. This was back in the end of January uh, when Trump was uh, saying, we've got to eliminate travel from China. He was criticized for that, and now she's saying he didn't act fast enough, and he should be, he should be investigated. <laughs> the hypocrisy of this entire well, these thing. Are, these are the tactics they use, and uh, you know the the left, uh, the far left, which you know is the unions and Soros, and a lot of these politicians like Pelosi. Um, they're using the same tactics that people go out and read my book, The Devil at Our Doorstep, the SEIU used against us in our two and a half year battle. And, uh, you know, they, they called me racist and bigot and all kinds of stuff. And, and uh, you know, we treated people bad and made them use dangerous chemicals and equipment and all kinds of stuff. None of it was true. But these are the things they do to, to try and bring you down. And this is what this is all about. Yeah, I know. And, and the fact of the matter is that when the lies are discovered, I mean, the, the newspapers print all this stuff on the front pages, and, of course, when they find out it's not true, you got to go to page 17 back in the, in the corner to find out the, the, the story has been retracted. So uh, it they know how to make damage. They know how to scare. They know how to intimidate. And that's exactly... When you read the book and you see exactly this, they used the clergy. They used kids on Halloween that you you can't even make this stuff up. It's just unbelievable. No, Bob, and you know, uh, and my book should be a national bestseller, not because I wrote it, because it exposes the truth of what goes going on in this country and the tactics they use, and I really want the American people to wake up and see that. You know, I've read the book. It's a great read. It reads like a, a suspense thriller. You can't believe, and once you read it, you say to yourself, can this really happen? Did it really happen? Well, well, you know, what you did, Dave, I think, is you stood up to their attacks, and instead of going low and uh, acting at their level, you decided to go ahead and address what they said and what they were doing uh, and with your employees, and uh, you won out. I mean, that tell, tell, give our listeners a little hint about what kind of tactics would win against these types of attacks. Yeah, you got you got to be very professional and very honest and very truthful and very factual, and um, and you got to support your uh, the people that are being attacked. You know, we had our employees and our customers and vendors and everybody, and uh, we supported them and defended them. And uh, you know, yeah, even uh, they 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 wanted to um, uh, stand up and and have me. Uh, speak with with them in places, and I did. And they, you know, they tried to bring me down in speaking in these places, and they found out that uh, they couldn't do it. And then I actually exposed them. And uh, after two of those events, they wouldn't do it anymore because <laughs> they knew that I would expose who they really are. Yeah, Dave Beagle again, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Visit thedevilatourdoorstep.com. dot com. You can also get a copy of the book at a nice discount on my website, or of course at any na- national book purveyor. Uh, Dave, I always appreciate your comment. Again, Dave Bigo is the author of the book. Dave, I appreciate your commentary. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Well, thanks for having me on, and keep up the good work. And you as well. Thank you, Dave. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I'm sending out a newsletter every day. If you'd like to be on the list to get the copy and you're not currently, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. Not rather Monday. Today is Friday, isn't it? Tomorrow we're going to visit with Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current world events, which is uh, pretty much an update on what's happening around the world and the globe on coronavirus. Larry Reed is the uh, president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll visit with Larry as well as Jim McTagg. Jim is former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He lives in Washington, D.C. He's written a couple of great books, his latest is called Shake the Money Tree. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast. Great weekend as well, or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.